Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. My name is Fernanda, and I'm here with Dr. Linda Marquez. We bring you another powerful, powerful episode today with our guest, Heather Ryder. And the topic that we're going to be covering today is how to shift out of stress and anxiety. And I know for me personally, that's a topic that is relevant every single day of my life. We live chaotic lives. We always want to be doing more and achieving more, but sometimes that comes at a price, a price of anxiety and stress. However, I do believe that we can do both. We can have a lot on our plates. We can be successful. We can do a lot of things and be very accomplished and at the same time do it without putting so much stress and anxiety on our plate. So super excited about today. I'm ready to take notes. I have my notebook here. <laughs> and Dr. Linda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. And I'm going to ditto what you just said. It's like, you know, all I, it's a very relevant topic. And so many of us and, and, you know, especially in this time of it with everything with COVID and we still kind of trying to rebound from that, but just everyday life, you know, we all have some sort of stress in our life. We all get anxious and it sometimes we just, some people, it paralyzes them from doing so much and even reaching their fullest potential, even living at their fullest potential because they get stuck in that cycle and, and the movie that they play in their mind and the story that they keep telling and, and half of it's not even true. So, and, and I know, you know, people look at you like, oh, Fernanda, you, you don't know what I'm going through or, you know, Dr. Linda, you don't understand. It's like, no, I understand. <laughs> we're all, you know, we're all humans and we, and it's just, it's, we all have that experience and we do feel that, but the key is not let it paralyze you from moving from point A to B. And I always say from just becoming a little bit better version of you. So we have, um, Heather Ryder coming on and I'll go ahead and introduce her then and you know, we'll get her on the show because I'm so excited to you know just ask her questions and just her approach and you know how she's overcome it and you know Heather's been um, she's an anxiety coach and she's an imposter syndrome educator as well with many of us can relate to I know I can <laughs> um, and the reason she's a, she's a coach for this is because she actually went through that and she knows what she's talking about. She experienced it. I mean, she was working in a demanding, you know, the, the tech company, which any of you in that whole industry know that it's very demanding and you, you have to be on all the time or pretend that you're on all the time. And so what she's doing now is she's going from a very non-traditional holistic approach and you know, helping her, her clients how to deal with stress, anxiety, and actually go through some healing in that process. So she writes a lot also on perfectionism. I know a lot of us can relate to that, imposter syndrome, high-functioning anxiety, which is something that I know we're going to dive into and a lot of other related anxiety topics because we know that stress and anxiety is really the root cause of why so many people go to the doctors and went, would go into your um, to see you, Fernanda, right? A lot of them were related to that. So I think I'm getting, you know, you and I've always practiced like get to the root cause, the root cause, just not medicate people. So it's, it's going to be perfect to have her on. So let's get her on. Yes. Hello, Heather. How are you do doing today? Hi, ladies. It's great to see you. I'm doing really well. 
Wonderful. We're super happy to have you today. I am literally, this is the topic for me. I'm ready to take a lot of notes because I have gone through it myself. I'm in a better place right now, but I still allow uh, some of the stress of the day today to get to me. And I'm anything that, that is going to help us get better, do better, perform better, live better, live happier, and be healthier more than anything. It's literally what we are about on this topic, help or this show, helping people get the, be the best versions of themselves. So welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Heather? Yes. Um, Dr. Linda already said a little bit of it, but I've had an interesting journey. I did used to work in technology and I, when I had that job, I did not know that I had anxiety at all. Um, we're going to talk about high functioning anxiety. As you said, uh, it's very different than generalized anxiety disorder. And it's really sort of a hidden anxiety that's really common among high achievers and really goal oriented people. And so I don't know what I thought anxiety was exactly, but I didn't think that I had it. Like I wasn't having panic attacks and all these things that maybe I would associate with anxiety. And so I was really struggling basically inside my own mind for a very, very long time. And sort of the path out was the universe just walloped me. Uh, I wound up getting really sick with a severe autoimmune reaction. You know, you both know this, but when you're under stress for a very long time, you've got a lot going on in your body and my nervous system eventually just fizzled out. And so I got really sick and that was the wake up call that I really needed. And when I decided to start healing my physical body through some sort of non-traditional approaches, I actually wound up getting emotional healing that I didn't even know that I needed. I'm really focused on just my physical body, but I started doing a lot of different things that I had never done before as part of that healing journey. And that was my path out. And that gave me the emotional healing that I didn't know that I needed. And that's how my life totally transformed. And this kind of always blows everyone away. I didn't know that I had anxiety until I didn't have it anymore. It was in retrospect that I realized, oh my gosh, that's what that was. That's what I was grappling with for so long. That's interesting because you you had you become a different person. And so when you become a different person, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh. I was doing that. You're not even aware of it. You're just, you're in the midst of it. So we, we don't become aware of it. So a, a lot of people can relate to you and especially women, because we have a lot of women that listen. And I mean, a lot of men too, but you know, with women, we're just like pushing, driving, driving, going, and we got to be the mom. We have to be, you know, the wife, the business over the best friend, the daughter that takes care of, you know, mom or dad when they're sick and, takes out, you know, all, all the whole family dyna dynamics. So it's really a challenge. And then on top of that, it means you look at the pay scale between men and women, we're still not getting paid the same as men overall. You know, the average, yes, there's some women that are, but overall the average, we're not. So, you know, what you have to share with us today, I think really is going to enlighten um, a lot of people. So can you tell us a little bit the difference between um, you know, like Fernando, you were saying you were suffering with anxiety, but you know, was it like so obvious and, and what's so obvious is anxiety and having like a high, high functioning anxiety. It's almost like, I don't I don't know if this is a proper way to uh, compare it, but like a person that says, oh, that person's an alcoholic or a high, or a functioning alcoholic. Is, is that kind of similar or? 
That's an inter. No one's asked that before, and that's an interesting correlation. So, um, yeah, it, you know, outwardly, when someone has high functioning anxiety, it's not obvious to anyone. I mean, and I used to hear this all the time. People would say, "Oh, Heather, you're so calm. You're so laid back." I would be like, "What are they talking about?" Because on the inside, I didn't feel that way at all, and I thought that I appeared to other people how I felt on the inside. Because I felt spastic and I thought I looked that way. I thought I just looked like frenetic because on the inside, I mean, it was constantly going and I thought that's how I looked. But then I would hear these comments from people and I would think this just sort of doesn't match up. Hmm. And so, you know, with sort of generalized anxiety, it is such a barrier to people even living. A lot of people with, you know, really severe anxiety, it's like they can't have a job. They can't function. They can't sometimes even go out of their house it was, that's not the case with high functioning anxiety at all. People with high functioning anxiety, it is extremely common for them to be very, very high achievers. They're really goal oriented. And the best way to describe this, how it felt on the inside, it would be like, I had two layers of my brain going. So there's like, the layer that's in the moment, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm interacting with people. Um, I would seem probably pretty present for the most part, but then there's this other layer that's like the anxiety layer that is there that's always going. And it's either thinking about the past and, you know, really beating myself up for all the things that I did that I should have done better, that I could have said better, you know, replaying conversations in my mind, um, being like hyper-focused on improvement of things that I did. Or I would be thinking about the future and everything that I had coming up that I had to do. It, it wouldn't matter, by the way, if this was in a calendar or written down. I would be running through things in my mind that I that I had to do constantly. And I'd be worried about possible future things that may occur. <laughs> right. And then I'd be it's like a chess game in my mind where I would be thinking about, OK, if this happens, this is what I'll do over here. And if that doesn't happen, then this might happen over here and then I'll do this over here. So it's like any possible you know, contingency plan for anything. So I would always be prepared. Mm -hmm. And that is freaking exhausting, right? I mean, I had insomnia a lot of the time because, um, you know, when you go through these sleep cycles, you're up and down that, that you get closer to being awake, boom, I would be awake. And my mind is going through that checklist that I just told you about. So those are some signs and symptoms um, of high functioning anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interesting because I have been very interested over the last year about learning more about the voice in our heads. Mm. And we all have a voice in our heads <laughs> that starts talking from the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep. And the difference is that some people are aware of this voice some people are not aware, but it's always there no matter what. And that's the voice that it's telling you all these things. Did you check the emails? Oh my God, you forgot to do this. Did you even eat already? Oh my God, I'm kind of hungry. But did you look at the way that she looked at me? No, that's an accident. <laughs> like all these things, right? And then the future. Oh my God, what if I what if this happens? And what if what if somebody says this to me? And what if what if I do this and nobody comes? And what if, you know, all of the what ifs. 
And that's the voice. And that's the voice that keeps us awake at night. That's the voice that doesn't let us enjoy the present moment. That's the voice that does not allow us to really be present many times because we are in the past thinking about all the things that we did or in the future thinking about all the possibilities that are may may not even come, right? Most of the things that we create in our minds don't even come or happen the way that we think they're gonna happen. And so, when we are talking about that voice and when I became aware of my voice, I was like, because I had the same thing, right? I, I was always thinking of the past, thinking of the uh, future, not necessarily living in the present and hearing myself talk. When I realized that I had this voice inside of my head that did not let me go, go to sleep, that did not let me eat in peace or enjoy the time with my, my kids or et cetera, et cetera. That was a game changer for me. Mm. So people that are always, constantly thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking if you and I want to invite anybody who's listening pay attention to that voice that voice that is always talking to you it's not you it's something that you have inside and shut up pay attention to that voice and do things that are going to allow that to get to quiet down the voice to limit the voice down a little bit and you will see the difference between you in a calmer state and you with the voice inside your head and Again, that was a game changer for me. So thank you for bringing that up. I do want to ask you, how do we shift out of stress and anxiety for someone who may be experiencing or listening to us right now and saying, oh my God, I relate, you know, yes, I'm, I, I go through that every single day. How can one shift out of that? Yeah, so there's like this easy sort of answer and then there's the inner work answer <laughs> and a lot of times when I'm doing these sort of you know interviews it's like people want the tools and the techniques which are absolutely useful and I can give you some of those but I do want to have like the deeper level conversation and for those who are high achievers you've got to learn to say no I mean mm -hmm. Linda you were yeah. saying this a minute ago about like taking care of this, taking care of that, taking mm -hmm. care of that. And that was, that was me. It was like way overburdened with too many things. Mm -hmm. And so we do too much in our society and we've got to figure out how can I do less? How can I lower my standards? Which sounds really funny, but really like your house probably doesn't need to be as clean as it is. You know, it's like, if you've got kids, what can you give them to do instead of you mm -hmm. doing yourself? What can you say no to? Because we become so overburdened with tasks and things. It's too much to manage. So that's a really simple thing is really look through your life and be like, okay, what can I cut out of here? Because there is something like, here's a little example. Um, I have a client in one of my group programs and she said she likes to volunteer but then she finds herself when she's volunteering, taking one of the board roles. Like she became a treasurer. Why can't mm. she just show up and like do the little thing? No, it's like anytime she's always doing it to the highest level. And then she's stuck there and she's like, but this time it's going to be different. I'm going to delegate. Right. So she is recognizing the pattern, but it's like that, that is something simple, right? Well, it sounds simple. It's actually hard to do to say <laughs> <laughs> and it was something I had to work on. I remember, you know, sort of in the midst of all of the story that I was telling you, I remember there was one day I used to get up every morning and put the dishes away. So I'd run the dishwasher at night and then get up in the morning. That was part of the morning routine is putting the dishes away. And one morning I was like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? My kids are in third and fifth grade. 
they can be doing this. Why am I doing this every day? And they came downstairs for breakfast. And I was like, from now on, you all are putting the dishes away. You're going to take turns every day after school. We're going to run it in the morning. And then when you come home, you're going to alternate. Like that sounds so simple, but that was safe. That saved me that pressure every morning of how to put the dishes away. Right. So it's like, look for opportunities for yourself where you can just take something out. Yes. I love that. I love how you just delegate it. And even to the kids, it's like, okay, you're the CEO of the house. So it's okay for you. Well, you shouldn't be doing everything. So I love that. Those are just, you know, little, little shifts like that make such a huge difference. And thank you because a lot of us need to do what you're telling us to do. And then, and you're right about lowering the standards in certain, in certain areas of our, or kind of like the saying, um, choose, you know, you, you got to choose and pick your battles. Not everything has to, you don't have to fight about everything. Okay. So he leaves the tooth toothpaste cap on really, you're going to get a divorce over that or the toilet paper is on the wrong way. I don't know if there's a right way or wrong way to put there's the toilet a right paper way. on. <laughs> you know, so I don't know, should the toilet seat be up or down? Down. <laughs> so, you know, things yeah. like that. And you've really also got to prioritize what's important to you. Like I love to work out and that's a great stress reliever for me. And so, uh, you know, I'm talking about things to let go of. I decided years ago in terms of time, it was like, okay, I would love for my bathrooms to get cleaned every week. That's not going to happen because I, like I said, I was like, I got to cut things out of my life. I cannot have so many things. I can't do so many things. So it's like, okay, so the bathrooms are going to get cleaned every other week instead. And so then I have more time as an example on the weekends to make sure that on Saturday I can go to a yoga class. Cause that's really important to me. And that's also a great stress reliever. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this stuff sounds simple, but it is about boundaries for yourself and this is what I wanted to segue into about like the deeper level work that we need to look for is that when we have stress, when we have anxiety, that's coming from somewhere. So those patterns that you have that are making you do too many things, saying the inability to say no, your responses to things that that all comes from somewhere it's your past experiences it's your subconscious programming in your mind mm. and so i like to say we all have trauma there's big t and little t trauma everybody has experiences in their lives who that have shaped who they are and oftentimes people will do this like in comparison they will think well i haven't had anything traumatic happen to me because they're comparing themselves to somebody else. And we all know people who've gone through horrific things, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we'll think, well, nothing like that ever happened to me. But the reality is when you were five, something was very formative to you. As an adult, you wouldn't look at that and see that as traumatic, but it is to a five-year-old. And so we get this, you know, wiring in our brain that leads us to, you know, be sort of on this rigid path or like view things like through a certain sort of lens. And then we're taking everything around it and conforming our reality to that. And that's actually what's leading to anxiety is like this behavior patterns that we're operating from, or Fernando, like you said, the voice inside our head, that voice is saying things about things because, be, because of these reasons that I'm talking about. So there's great stress reduction. I mean, we could talk an entire time about stress reduction, but the real reality is that people are finding themselves in these 
like critical sort of anxiety levels, they actually have to get at the root cause of that. Or it doesn't matter if you give them 5,000 stress, you know, reduction techniques, they're not going to actually feel better. Mm -hmm. And that comes from those subconscious beliefs. And we talk a lot about <laughs> that because that is the root of everything. Yeah. That's, that's what shapes what we do, who we are, what we believe in, what we say, how we act, how we behave, how we think, everything. Everybody's living through a lens, which is literally based on the subconscious beliefs. And those subconscious beliefs were placed on us by the age of five or six. So like you were saying, right, many, th many times things happen in our lives when we're kids and we are living our entire adult lives literally based on basing ourselves and every every reaction every emotion every decision every indecision that we take based on our experiences that we had as a five-year-old and the beliefs that we created at that point so unless we change at the root root cause of the problem which are those beliefs those subconscious beliefs that we have that are making us act in the way that we do then like you said right we can try all we want and we can do all of these exercises and everything but sooner or later we're gonna default to our baseline our our beliefs and our behaviors that are once again ingrained in our minds so huge huge point now that we touched on the subconscious beliefs how do we how do you work with someone to go to the root of the problem go to those subconscious beliefs recognize what beliefs are those that are keeping us maybe living in in anxiety and stress and how do we work at maybe changing removing or um you know replacing those beliefs yeah so i mean i personally have a number of techniques that i have worked with and and developed to work with my clients. And so I, I'm happy to share those. I just want people to know there's lots of different paths to get there, but it's a little bit tricky because it is your subconscious means you are not aware of it at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is usually when people have to work with a professional, you can uncover some of this stuff on your own. It does take just a lot of dedication and commitment. I've done a lot of it on my own, but it was like, I was, like hellbent, you know, that expression on like getting underneath some of my own beliefs and um, structuring it. But some things that I do with my clients, I do aromatherapy processes. I'm a certified hypnotherapist. Um, so there's a lot of techniques that I use to get people into this state where they're very relaxed and receptive so that that's when the beliefs can sort of come forward. And they're usually, um, I call them like lily pads. So it's like a, a childhood memory might come in and someone doesn't know the association between that memory and the belief that was formed. But we like take that as the springboard and then keep going and dive into like, well, why did that thing surface? It's because, yeah, it's like the the belief structure got formed in that thing. And so we use that as a tool to keep uncovering how that developed, whatever the belief structure is. Mm -hmm. So you start digging into, there's that whole connection with neuroscience because you really have to impact the nervous system to, to really get to the root cause and change a lot of these beliefs. So that, and, and you're right, a lot of people try to figure this out on their own or, but they're still looking in the very beginning, the lens of them looking at the situation from these eyeballs now compared to like fast forward, the ideal you and you, you know, it's there are two different lenses that you're looking at um, yeah. the, the situation. So what would you, you know, what would be like one thing that um, 
I mean, I know you have a lot of modalities that you work with, and I love that you work with um, you know, hypnotherapy, you work with essential oils and, you know, the aromatherapy and all that, because there are a lot of triggers with that. But, you know, give me something tangible, like someone that's struggling, just like maybe in that moment, like, you know, I don't know, like the self-worth and, you know, there's, cause that sometimes even equates to imposter syndrome, which is a whole different conversation, but there's a lot of layers in that. So if someone comes to you, Heather, and they're like, they just don't feel worthy. And that really is holding them back from, you know, maybe moving on to a, a, a new business venture or just having that relationship. You know, what, what would you tell that person? What, what's kind of one, a couple of things that you would do? Yeah. You know, Fernanda, you said this a number of minutes ago about that inner dialogue with yourself. And so I was saying I did some, you know, work on myself that actually wound up being successful and, there is this, first of all, noticing of the thoughts, right, that has to come in. Because as as you said, like most of the time, you don't even realize you're doing it. So if you can say, okay, I'm going to be dedicated to noticing when I am talking to myself, not just let it be on autopilot. That has to be the very first step. So and awareness. That, yeah. And awareness. That, that awareness. And that can be done. Like you can carry around a notebook with you the entire day. And start to notice everything you're saying about yourself, about yourself, not just that, you know, you said something like, oh, do I want to eat? Did I already eat? You know, <laughs> because, yeah, you got this just lot of chatter going on. But anytime there is a phrase about yourself or a questioning of yourself, you can write that down. And then you start to be like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that 45 times today I made like a judgment statement about myself. It can be something overt, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just ate that You are trying to lose weight. You're fat for a reason. Right. It doesn't always have to sound like that. Sometimes it can be a little bit more subversive. Like, why? Why did you do that? It's like the tone. It's not necessarily what you say. It's like the tone that you say <laughs> to yourself. Yeah. So be aware of that tone. Like if somebody else had that tone with you, what would that sound like? Right. And those are some of those mm -hmm. statements. But then when you're you have the awareness and you're noticing the statements of yourself, this is where you just start to get really curious, like, wow, that's really interesting. I noticed that I keep saying this thing to myself, like fill in the blank. I wonder where that comes from. Like, I wonder why I'm doing that. And there's no judgment around it. It's just like super curious. And this is what I did. This is a, like a side tangent, but I want to give this and as an example, um, I grew up with a lot of money problems. And so I knew that I had a conversation around money that I wanted to clear up. And so I decided to ask myself, what are my hidden beliefs about money? And I would ask myself that over and over. I wrote it on my mirror in a dry erase marker. I had it stuck in my car. I, I was writing it down every day because I was like, I know I have hidden beliefs. I don't know what they are because they're hidden. And I was like, and I'm, you know, like I am ready for these to come up to the surface. And so if somebody's having whatever their problem is, you know, fill in the blank, because I'm sure somebody's watching right now that doesn't really feel like they have anxiety. Maybe it's some other issue for them. You can ask that same sort of question about yourself, like with curiosity, like, wow, I wonder where this came from sort of thing. And if you just keep asking yourself that over and over, you're going to start getting answers because your brain is working constantly and it wants a problem to solve. 
So you might as well have it work on something. We've all woken up at like two in the morning with an answer to something, right? It's because your brain was working on it when you weren't even trying. Mm -hmm. So if you give it this as a problem to solve, you're going to start getting answers. And the questioning is also really important because it lets your subconscious know that you're safe and you feel ready for the answer. So the questioning alone is like a cue to yourself like, oh, okay, I guess I feel safe enough to address this. So would you say asking the right type of questions, though, more like empowering questions, because there's like two schools of thoughts in that direction, like revisiting the past. Well, why am I like this? I kind of that's almost like a negative push, which works for some people. It doesn't work for me because then I just keep going down that that road and trying to look for all the wrong because of this, because of that versus another school of thought is well, what can I do to be better at that? I do think that the phrasing is probably important because like I said, I knew I had money issues. So I wasn't like saying, um, I, I asked myself, what are my hidden beliefs about money? So that was pretty neutral, right? And so let's say someone has um, has struggled with their weight for a long time and they just can't, you know, no matter what they do, they can't seem to lose it or they gain it back. They could say something like, I wonder what my hidden beliefs are I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I wonder what my hidden beliefs are about my weight or my body image or, you know, something. It does have to be neutral enough. You're right. Because you can't take it as the negative and then keep perpetuating the negative. Mm -hmm. But you also, if you're trying to sub like tap into your subconscious mind, you can't also have it be sort of affirmation that you don't believe kind of thing, because that mm -hmm. doesn't work either. Because your brain's like, baloney. Like, I don't believe that. So it has to be like this neutral curiosity kind of question. Mm -hmm. You know, that is uh, an interesting point. And I was actually going to ask that next. I have been reading a lot of books by Dr. Jody Spencer, Dr. Bruce <laughs> Tipton, and yeah. so many others that are studying and have studied the science of the mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Dr. Bruce Lipton says is that repetition, affirmations, right? So use affirmations, use affirmations every day. And I was watching an interview from the book that I was reading and um, the interviewer asked, well, what if you don't believe what you're saying? You know, in the affirmation, what if you're using an affirmation and right off the bat, as you're saying it, your brain is like, that's not you, like, who are you kidding, right? <laughs> And so his response was sooner or later, you tell something, you tell the brain, your mind, your, the brain something so often that sooner or later, it ends up becoming your reality. Because through repetition, the subconscious mm -hmm. mind doesn't know and doesn't care what you plant. It could be the best truth in the world for you, or it could be the, the craziest story in the world, but your subconscious mind doesn't really care. It just takes everything that you believe to be true. So sooner or later through repetition, if you start believing little by little that affirmation, then that can literally be put into your subconscious mind and you can replace an old belief with a new belief. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I would say both of those men know a lot <laughs> mentioned are like well-known authors and, you know, are on big stages. So, I mean, I would kind of trust what they say, but maybe there's a bridge. I don't know. Maybe there's a bridge between where somebody is into a neutral statement and then into the planting the statement, regardless of what it is, because I still am a little bit like, well, really, can you really just take this statement that your brain says that's not true at all. I mean, it seems like 
maybe it'd be more efficient and expedient to have an intermediary thing and then move into the, the one that is like the one you really want to get to. What would you, what if you would marry the, what you were saying, Fernanda, marry that with the actual, the actual feeling. And I think so that's, that's yeah, what they're talking, you know, it's just like, Right. Emotions, what brings things into the subconscious mind, right? You can literally you can stand in, the, in front of the mirror every day for a year and say, you know, I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm super smart. I'm very smart. I'm very, mm -hmm. very smart. You can say that all you want, but if you're just saying it like from mm -hmm. here, like literally from your mouth out, nothing's going to change. Right. But if you're saying, wow, I'm so smart. Look at how smart I am. And you start believing like emotionally attaching yourself to that comment and Dr. Bruce Lipton says that, right? Emotion is the key. Emotion is mm -hmm. what makes the difference between saying something and believing something eventually or not believing in it. So if I think if we are able to get emotionally attached to whatever it is that we're saying, there might be the difference. But if we are simply saying it and not having any type of emotion because we don't simply believe in it, then you know that's kind of like the block that would prevent that uh, subconscious belief to be changed. I think also if you look for evidence, like the smart example, right? Because our brains are hardwired to go to the negative and the, you know, this is a self-fulfilling sort of thing where we just see only the negative when actually the majority of your day is actually probably going right in the majority of your life, you know, a lot of the time is going right. But we look at that one thing over there and we're like, oh my God, I screwed that up. But like with the smart example, I think the bridge also can be, in a given day, finding one thing that you did that you thought was smart or a good decision. Mm -hmm. Be like, look, you did, you did that. It's like, that was smart. And then pull in the feeling with it. And words are power, but at the same time, I think the feeling is even more powerful. Mm -hmm. This is sort of what I, you know, I'm a cusser. I'll tell you that I love a good cuss word. And I've sort of talked about this with my kids. It's like, you can take any word and make it a bad word. Yeah. Why? It's because of how you're saying it and the feeling yes. behind it. Whereas you can say something that's considered profanity and you like are laughing about it. It, you know, isn't a bad word anymore. So it's like, yeah, the words with the feeling behind them, that's um, super powerful. So yeah. that's where neuroendocrinology comes in, neuroendro, you know, um, and, and the science behind all that, because, you know, your endocrine system, we get into the hormones, we get into cortisol, we get into oxytocin, you know, we get into all these hormonal releases with certain actions that we do. So if you're just saying something like you were saying, Fernanda, oh, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm all this, and you're just looking in the mirror, mm-hmm, yep, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change the world. Okay, yeah, that's not gonna go anywhere, but when you really get into that state and you think about something that just, even just get into a state of love, and I know a lot of great meditations, you. You get into that state and it doesn't, you just get into a state of feeling love or something that you're so grateful for and then marry those two. That's where the change occurs because your cortisol levels are going to drop and those affirmations that you're saying, that's when that embedding by repetition comes in because when they're, you know, like six and under, they're most, most kids are in theta state. So of course, subconsciously, everything's being dropped at that time. It's like, boom, 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 all the seeds are being planted. And as we get older, when we're speaking it, but we're not feeling it, 
we're probably most of the time like in a beta state, which is a high awareness, which doesn't allow for the emotional feeling of things to be processed or for us to be really just be still and feeling love um, where you can do that when you just close your eyes or more in like in a theta, more relaxing state. So I don't know if you wanted to comment on that because you do a lot of work with, I believe with NLP as, as well, neuro-linguistic programming and most people that work with, um, you know, work on mindset and have a holistic approach do a lot of work with that. Were you um, asking Fernanda if she wanted to comment or me? No, you, Heather, was asking you. <laughs> Fernanda, <laughs> too. <laughs> um, well, you know, what you just said about theta state is interesting because that is going back to affirmations. And I, if I can do this, anybody can do this. I trained myself to say affirmations when I'm waking up. I'm, I'm not as good about it when I'm falling asleep because I tend to fall asleep pretty fast. But when I am waking up every morning, I, I usually will have a thing that I'm kind of working on for a while. So maybe it's something that I say for a month and then it's like something new will come up that I kind of want to address, but I'm using that time that you just said, Dr. Linda, because I know I'm really primed right then to, you know, wake up and be like, Oh, I'm going to implant this sort of thing in, in the, in the receptive part of me right now. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. I want to finalize with one question. And I am actually reading this book right now, 10% Happier, <laughs> Dan Harris. So for everybody that doesn't know Dan Harris, he is a reporter, very mm -hmm. famous. And he had a, a panic attack uh, on live yeah. when he was doing the news. Yes. That was years ago. And that led him to start this whole journey of 10% happier. He has a nap and he had he did a tour and he has books and everything. But what he did is he embarked himself in this journey of finding why he had that panic attack. He lives in a very, of course, stressful job, right? Like mm -hmm. running the news. And he was at that point like one of the youngest and all these things anyway. But what he did is he found meditation. And meditation was one of the main keys for him to be able to say, recognize the voice that I was talking about earlier and say, okay, how can I quiet this thing that doesn't let me literally alone for a minute, any day, every day. And through meditation, he found that outlet of being able to quiet his mind a little bit more and more and more and more. And when we, when the mind is quiet, really, there is no anxiety. There is no depression because there is nothing. It simply is. You're simply, you simply are, you know, you simply exist without anything else. So do you practice meditation? Do you recommend meditation? Have you ever tried it? I'm just curious about what your experience with meditation has been. Yeah, I'm sort of a sporadic meditator. And like I was just saying a few minutes ago, I get really keen on something and then, you know, sort of use it for a while. And a couple of years ago, I decided to meditate every day and I had to start small. So I love to tell people, if you want to do this, start small. It's good to start oftentimes with a guided meditation, because if you just mm -hmm. plop yourself down on the floor and start to meditate or try, most people find it very, very hard. And that's when they start to hear their own dialogue even more. It was always there. They just weren't noticing it because they were busy. And then they sit down and try and meditate and they think that the thoughts are just increasing. So I started small. I was like, okay, I'm going to start at three minutes and I'm just gradually going to work my way up. And I committed to 30 days and then I hit 30 days and I was up to about 12 minutes by the end of the month. And then I kept going and I meditated every day for 
I don't remember if it was three or four months. I, it wasn't 12 minutes every day, but I mean, it gets easier the more you do it, right? And I also recommend to people um, to find a, sp a specific spot to do it to mm -hmm. start because it's like a Pavlovian kind of response. I would always <laughs> sit in the same spot. So then my, my body, my brain knew, oh, it's like meditation time because you're in this spot. So, I mean, it works wonders for people. It's amazing. But I do always, I mean, I hear this so often, like people try and they say it's so hard. It's like they have some expectation that they should just, you know, be like, a guru and be able to do this for half an hour. It's, you know, it's like a muscle, like anything else you've got to build up to it. We agree hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I know Fernanda and I were both big time now into the meditation since probably it's just really long meditations since mm -hmm. last year, like what's August maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been meditating like off and on for a long time, but faithfully since the other uh, since August, most of my meditations are between 30 minutes and an hour and 15 minutes. And then you and I had a record, Fernanda, with a four and a half hour meditation. <laughs> oh my gosh, hey. But that was with Dr. Joe, of course. I mean, you can't say no to him, you know. <laughs> That which what did not seem like it was that long. Like four hours, it so. was like maybe we. I thought it was like, gosh, that was 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, what? Four minutes, you know, four is so cool. It was, mm -hmm. it was out. It's just, but until you actually do it, and it's a practice, it's a practice. I, you, I mean, I had my meditation this morning and I'm, my mind was wandering, but then I became aware <laughs> that it was wandering and just brought it back to, to the point. So, it, it's just like anything with time. Right. So yeah, daily, daily process, daily process, mm -hmm. be patient with yourself and just, just be kind. You know, mm -hmm. if you hear that voice, just, okay, I recognize the voice. Let me focus on my breath again. And then you focus on your breath and you hear the voice again and just focus on your breath again and go back, keep going back, keep coming back. Absolutely. Okay. With that, we are going to, um, Finish the questions. Heather, please let us know where people can find you, work with you, if how, what kind of services you offer, any information that you want to share with our, our audience, please. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to go back into the comments of this and, and put my information later. But um, yeah, so I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. I have group programs. I actually happen to have an imposter syndrome workshop tomorrow that's free if anyone wants to attend that. Uh, and my website is theenergysynergist.com. And if you don't remember that and you search Heather Ryder and the word anxiety, you will find me everywhere. I have a massive digital footprint. So I'm hard to, I'm actually hard to not find. Where is the imposter syndrome? That sounds awesome. Where are you doing that? Is that? Oh, it's virtual. Yeah. Okay. Virtual web. Um, so if they go to your link to your website, we can get yeah, it's listed under there. there under the workshop. All right, I'm yeah, gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go look. <laughs> <laughs> I can always learn something from you and it's a daily process. So that's awesome. Thank you, Heather. Well, thank everyone who's been commenting. I've kind of seen yeah. some of those while we were chatting. So thanks for everyone's participation. That's awesome yeah. to know that people are with us and engaged. Mm -hmm. We are always learning. <laughs> mm -hmm. Heather, what would be a good quote for you to end our wonderful conversation today? Yeah, um, the author Jody Picoult has an anxiety quote that I love. It's anxieties like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. Whoa, I love that. I've never heard that quote before. I love it. That's great. I love that. 
I was going to ask you about, you know, stress things. I'm going to give you one that kind of, and, and I may not say it exactly, but this is something that I kind of go back to. It's a biblical quote and it's in probably believe it's in the new Testament about, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of, of power and might. So I always kind of go back to that. You know, I have, that's not, that's not something that, is belongs and I should own, but I should own the power and might. And it always starts with the words. Mm. You, Fernando, one of yours? I am going to go with one by Alan Watts. <clears throat> he says, no amount of anxiety makes any difference to anything that's going to happen. So no matter how much we worry <laughs> about things or how, how many different scenarios we run in our mind, it makes yeah. really no difference to what actually ends up happening. Amen, yep. All right. Thank you so much for everybody that connected today. Thank you, Heather. It's been an amazing time. I really had a wonderful time learning from you and having this wonderful conversation. And thank you, Dr. Linda. And we will see you all next Wednesday. Yes. See you all. Bye. Bye.